You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. We'll turn in your Bible to 1 John chapter 4. And we are in lesson 6 of our series on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And so we're going to start in chapter 4 tonight. Last week we finished chapter 3 in lesson 5, and now we're going to be looking at chapter 4 in lesson 6. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, pretty much the majority of all of my reading tonight. So if you're following along in your app, you can look up the New Living Translation because that's the one that I'll be using. So let's just... Uh, Read this together. You guys follow along with me. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. And this is how we know that they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus... That person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won the victory over those people because of the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Can I have an amen? Those people who belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them, but we belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Let's look at verse 4 again. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. All right, so we looked at this already once in chapter 2. John's already covered it, but John's recapping, and he does this all throughout uh, these letters. It's important to recognize, number one, that John is addressing church people. That's who he's speaking to. He's He's speaking to people in church. And so, guys, as church people... We have to recognize that even people in church can be off the mark. I've been in church a long time. I've met most people that were on the mark. But I have met some people that were off the mark. Now, sometimes those people that I met thought they were on the mark. And other times those people that I met knew that they were not on the mark. But as church people... Just because we're in a religious environment, we can't believe everything somebody tells us. And it's very important. You know, First Peter talks about being a student of the Word, a workman who can rightly divide the Word of truth. And you don't need to be somebody who doesn't understand what somebody is saying to you. And that's why it's important that we read our Bibles. But just because somebody walks up to you and says, God told me. <clears throat> See, that's often the trump card. You know, people say, God told me. You know, I've had people tell me that God told them to marry this person who was married to another person and live with them. No, God didn't tell you that. Your flesh told you that. And we understand that the Bible says that the devil can come to us disguised even as an angel of 
light. And obviously, as a believer, lots of times the enemy's not going to come to us and just tell us an outright lie. No, what he's going to do is he's going to take the truth, he's going to sprinkle it with a little bit of a lie, and that begins to slowly seduce us and move us into a place of believing things that are not true. So it says, here's how you will know. You have to test them, you have to test what they say, and you have to judge what they say. Now, how do we do that? Because I, I want to be practical about this. How do we do that? How do we test or judge other believers? Well, the way that you test or judge other believers is you look at the fruit, come on, right, of their lives. What does their marriage look like? What does their mate think about them? How do they treat their children? How do their co-workers see them? What do their family members say about them? How does their community recognize them. See, well, we covered all this in lesson four, and I I don't have time to to go through it, but I just want to recap like John did and and remind us, just because somebody's in church and just because somebody walks up to you and says, thus saith the Lord, the Bible says you have to test and judge people and what they say. Amen? All right, let's go on to verse seven, and we're going to read a few more verses together. Dear friends, Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is what? Love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. So when I see that, I don't know about you, but when I see that, the first thing in my mind that I thought was then there must be a fake love or a love that isn't real. If John is putting the word real in front of love, he's saying, okay, you can have all kinds of definitions of love, but God defines love. And so God is saying, here is what real love looks like. This is real love. Watch this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Aren't you glad tonight, church, that God didn't wait for you to love him before he loved you? Because we would all, most of us would all still be lost in our sins. You know, I'm thankful when I was rebellious and I was reviling against God, that God loved me and God reached out to me. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So John's saying, look, I'm not just telling you something that I read in a book. I'm not just telling you something that somebody told me. I'm telling you I saw him with my own eyes and I experienced it. I'm here to testify to you what I saw. So it's like firsthand information, right? I saw it. Verse 15, all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. 
And we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. Now, once again, John is talking about love. And the fact that he's already covered this topic twice in the, in the few short chapters that we've covered, he's already talked about the topic of love twice. Love, light, truth. Man, these, th- these things are just resounding things that John talks about here. And so John is talking about this again. And he is showing us the importance of love. The fact that he's talking about it again is showing us love is an important thing for us as believers, as Christians. Love is something that's very important. So in chapter 2, John talked about how our love for each other is proof that we have fellowship with God. In other words, how can you say that you love God whom you can't see if you don't love your brother and sister in Christ whom you see every day? So, you know, it's real easy to come down the altar and raise our hands and, oh God, I worship you. But the way that we really authentically show God that we love him is that we love the people that are made in his image. So it's impossible for me to say that I love God and really love God if I don't love my brothers and sisters in Christ, even the difficult ones. Come on, y'all got quiet. Even those ones that are hard to love. You know, the ones that, you, you, they're hard to hug. You know, you, you hug them and they got bad breath. You know, those are, those are hard people to love. You hug them and they got B.O. You know, you sit by them, you think, you need a little right guard, bro. I mean, it wouldn't hurt. You know, a little mouthwash, something. We're still called to love those people. We're called to love people that are different from us. <clears throat> people that don't talk like us, don't dress like us, don't hang around the same people that we hang around. Come on. Am I talking to anybody tonight? See, God has called us to love people, and that's a sign that we're in God, that we love people. In chapter 3, he showed us how love was proof of sonship in God. So the fact that God loves us shows that we are sons and daughters of God because parents love their children. As a matter of fact, they, they deeply, deeply love their children. And so now in chapter 4, he's going to take us to the foundation of all love. In other words, he's going to get down to the nitty-gritty. Here is the foundation. Here's the, the basis of all love. Are y'all ready for it? No, y'all aren't ready. Come on. Are y'all ready for it? All right, here it is. Here's the basis, the foundation of all love, God. God. It's where it came from. Love is the being and nature of God. And if we're united with God, we'll share in that nature. If we're connected with God, we'll share in that nature. How many of you are parents in here tonight? How many of y'all have often caught your children acting like you? Now, sometimes that's a good thing. (laughs) Sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes I tell my son, stop acting like me. (laughs) Only imitate the good parts of my life. Don't act like me when I'm acting like I shouldn't be acting. But but because of that nature, it influences us, right? And, and, you know, just like many times we find ourselves acting like our parents, and sometimes, you know, we're glad we are, and sometimes we wish we weren't, but the fact is that's because of that, that nature. So love is the being and nature of God, and where we are united with God, we're going to share in that nature. So basically, love is the test and the indicator of the authenticity of our relationship with God. 
So for us to say, well, I have a relationship with God. I have a relationship with God. Jesus is the Lord of my life. I received Jesus in Sunday school when I was seven years old. Or I met Jesus at church camp when I was 10. Or, you know, when I was five in my bedroom, my parents prayed for me. And I said the Lord's Prayer and Jesus came into my heart. Well, whenever that was and however that was, whether you were three or whether you were 23, like me, when I got saved, it doesn't really matter when. But the point is the test and the indicator of the authenticity is revealed in our spiritual life as we walk in love. So let me, let me just give you an example. So when I was in Scouts, um, we had to learn to use a compass. And, you know, even like phones have compasses. My iPhone, you can go, it's a digital compass. So you go into your app, you pull up your compass. You know, but we had to use a compass. As a matter of fact, we found a compass in a drawer at my house uh, tonight. So it's, it's a compass. So I'm going to use an, a, a compass as an example of what I'm talking about tonight. Now, a compass responds to the magnetic pull of the earth. That's how compasses work. The magnetic pull of the earth is what affects them. And because of this pull, a compass will always point true north. Always. That's what it's going to be drawn to because of the magnetic pull of the earth. So, understanding the nature of God is love. A person born again, a person born again in God. That's why it says you have to be born again, first of water, then of the Spirit. So, a person born again in God will respond out of his nature, which is love. In other words, just like a compass, your life is going to point true love. Can I have an amen? That's the way it's going to work. So just like a compass points north, a Christian will point to love, and it's just going to be a natural pull in our life. In other words, it's not a forced religious response. It's not you trying to be good enough or trying to follow all the rules. No, it's about Christ coming inside of you and transforming you and changing you. You know, where you used to want to act this way and treat people this way. Now, all of a sudden, you just want to hug people for some strange reason. And some people think that's really weird. Uh, But I totally understand. So if you want to give me a hug, I'm all right with that because I understand what the love of God does inside a person. Well, I was actually listening to a cowboy preach one time, and this guy was a, he was an alcoholic for years and years and years. And he was a bar, uh, he was a, uh, what's it called in a bar where they, kick people out if you act up yeah a bouncer yeah he was a bouncer that's what he was this guy was big and he was a boxer so he was a he was a bouncing boxer i mean you didn't want to mess with him and he was an alcoholic and he was unsaved he he was illiterate couldn't read and write okay I, i know this man personally he's a friend of mine so he lived up in the mountains he was an alcoholic and the lord appeared to him he was a thief. He stole from everybody all the time. Stole everything. He said, he said, Paul, everything I've ever had, I stole. Nobody liked me. I beat everybody up. I was a bouncer. I was full of hate, vile, couldn't stand anybody. Fought everybody. <clears throat> he was, and he was a boxer. I mean, he fought in boxing, and he was a good boxer. God appeared to him in a drunken state, and he told him, he said, you are no longer an alcoholic and you are no longer drunk. And he said, immediately I was sober. 
And he said, Paul, I couldn't read and write at all. He said, I could hold the Bible upside down or right side up. It didn't matter to me. I couldn't make heads or tails of it. And he said that over the course of a few months, even working at that bar as a bouncer, love began to transform his life. Nobody even talked to him about Jesus. Just, this just began to happen. And he, and he began to pray. He said, well, God, I, you know, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible because he got a Bible. He said, but I don't know how to read it. He says, God, you're going to have to teach me how to read if I'm going to read the Bible. And God taught him how, without anybody teaching him, how to read the Bible. I'm telling you the truth. Now, y'all are looking at me like I'm lying, but I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. And so love literally transformed this man's life. And he was a rodeo cowboy. So he's a bouncer, a boxer, a rodeo cowboy. And he said, Paul, I went to, after this happened to me, he said, I was up in my cabin for months. I didn't even leave. I just stayed up there. And God was just, I just feel this warm, tingly feeling come all over me. I mean, it just, God was just touching my life and transforming me. He'd tell me stories about putting tape over his gas gauge. He had no money. He'd just keep driving. He wouldn't even look. He said, I just drove on faith for, for weeks. I never put any gas in my car. But he, he didn't know any better. See, we get so sophisticated, we just can't believe God for those kinds of things because, you know, well, that doesn't fit into my religious box, you know, and I, God just doesn't do things that way. <laughs> well, when you don't have a box, God can do whatever he wants to do. And so this guy just believed God totally and completely, and so he got to the rodeo, and he said, Paul, I was out there on that rodeo, and I was riding my horse out in the middle of that arena. He said, all of a sudden, I just start feeling this warm wave come all over me. I just started loving everybody. He said, I just wanted to hug everybody. He said, you don't go to rodeos to, as a big cowboy and start wanting to hug on other cowboys. <laughs> he said, you just don't do that because cowboys don't want you to hug on them. He said, but I just couldn't help it. I just find myself just wanting to hug everybody. And I, he said, and I'd go back and I thought, he said, I thought, man, that, I, he said, I didn't know if it was the pot I was smoking or the beer I was drinking that was doing that. He said, but I got to have some more of that. And, and he would get ready to drink and he said, I couldn't get drunk anymore. So God said, I have delivered you. You're no longer an alcoholic. Well, you know, many, many years later, this, this guy's just, God's just used him tremendously, and he's living for the Lord, and God's just done all kinds of things. He, he started a, a, a boxing training school there on his ranch and teaching young boys how to rodeo, and he'll preach to them. A lot of them will get saved, and God's just used him to do all kinds of things. But, but look at this. Love transformed his life. It's amazing what love can do. So it's not this forced religious response. It's a natural response from being in God. When you get God in you, guess what else you get in you? Love. It's like eating a pork chop. When you get a pork chop in you, you get grease in you too. You get both. You just, you're just a greasy pork chop eating born again Christian, right? That's the way it works. So three times in this section, John encourages us to love one another. Three times, love one another, love one another, love one another. And he supports this by giving us three foundational truths. And I want to give these three foundational truths to you in this session. Number one, what is God? God is love. Number one, what is God? God is love. The second foundational truth or fact, what God did, he sent his son. Number two, what God did, he sent his son. And number three, what God is doing, God abides in us. 
Number three, what God is doing, God abides in us. All right, let's read verse 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God, and K-N-O-W-S knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So let's start with this first section. What is God? God is love. Now, in these writings, John gives us three expressions of God's nature, and he repeats it over and over and over again. He says, God is spirit, God is light, God is love. And, you know, you've been watching our transition videos, these transition videos that we do before I come out and speak or before whatever speaker comes out have these elements incorporated into our videos, which are great. They've just done such an excellent job on those. God is spirit, God is light, God is love. God is spirit. He's not flesh and blood. So God can be anywhere at any time. God's not limited by time and space because God is spirit. Can I have an amen? That's a good thing, right? Because God can be with you wherever you go. God is light. God has no darkness in him. So here's the great thing about God's love. God's love is pure. God's love is holy. You don't ever have to worry about God's love getting weird. You don't, have to have, you don't ever have to worry about God's love doing something to you that he should never do because God is incapable of that. Because God is holy and God is pure and that makes his love perfect, undefiled and pure and right and good. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of love everybody wants. And then lastly, God is light. There's no darkness in God, none whatsoever. God is light. God is love. God, God is love, not love is God. That's important that we understand that. God is love, not love is God. God defines what love is. People don't. Now, it's important that we understand this, guys, because lots and lots of people try to define love. But God is the only person that can define love because God is what? Love. So God is the one that defines love. So if you want to know what real love looks like, who do you look to? You look to God because God is love. God is holy. His love is holy. Much of what we call love today, or much of what a lot of people call love today, isn't love at all. You know, there is such a thing as false love, because in verse 10, John says, here's what real love looks like. So, for example, if I told my wife that I loved her, but then I go out and get a prostitute, then that's just words. Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I love you. And then next week, I go get another prostitute. And I tell her, I'm sorry, I love you. No. No, 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 no. That's not real love. And my wife would knock me upside my head, too. <laughs> She's sweet, but boy, don't mess with her. So just, so I'm taking you somewhere. So just because you have some strong emotion about something or someone, that doesn't necessarily mean it's love. That could mean it's lust, and not just in a sexual sense, just in a selfish sense, right? It could, it could be something other than love. Remember, God defines real love. 
People justify sinful behavior all the time in the name of love. You know, as a pastor, I've had people come to me, man, they're living together, they're, they're, you know, they're just, they're living life together, they're not married, you know, in, in the name of love. That's not love. See, that's a twisted sense of love. That's a misunderstanding of love. You know, people say, well, same-sex love. Well, we love each other. No, that's not love. Why? God defines love. We don't get the privilege of defining love. We don't get the privilege of defining truth. God defines it. See, there's, listen, church, there's got to be something that's above all of us that none of us can mess with and change because people are world's worst at just messing stuff up. And so God says, I'm going to define truth. I'm going to define love. You don't get to mess with that at all. All you get to do is just come under it. And you can't change it. And just because I don't believe it doesn't mean it isn't true. Well, I just don't believe that. Well, that doesn't change the fact that it's truth. Just because you don't believe it, it's still the truth. First John 4, 7, verse 8 says, We know God. K-N-O-W. Know God. Now, that word isn't a casual acquaintance. That's not what that is. It's not like you saying, Oh, I know them. Or I know... How many of y'all said this? I don't know them, but I know of them. Okay? Or I've heard of them. I know their name. I've heard of them. But I don't necessarily know them. But see, this word know that he uses isn't a casual acquaintance. No, this word know is the same word know that's used in Genesis 4 when it says Adam knew his wife and they conceived a child. In other words, it's an intimate knowing. That's what this is talking about. We, listen to what it says, we intimately know God because of the Spirit of God that lives in us. And God's goal for us guys is that we all intimately know Him. You're not just at TC or Shalom following all the rules that they have there. If that's what you're doing, if that's all you're doing is just trying to be good enough so that you won't kicked out and follow rules, you'll never make it. You, know, you might as well just go ahead and quit now. You will never make it. Because Christianity isn't about following rules. It's about knowing God. And it's about falling in love with Him and having a deep, intimate relationship with God. And when you have that, see, boy, that's when you change. And that's when you go to another level. So it's knowing God on an intimate level. So what is God? God is love. Let's move on to number two. Number two, what God did, he sent his son. Because God is love, God's going to show us through action. In other words, God's going to give proof of love. Proof of love. God didn't just say he loves us, he shows us, right? And that's how we do it. We imitate God. So if I, if I tell somebody I love them, then I'm going to show them. I tell married couples all the time, the easiest thing for you to stand on that stage and say words. The hardest thing to do is walk them out for the rest of your life. That's what true love looks like. The greatest expression that God is love is the sacrificing of God's son for us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Can I have an amen? God sent his son that we might live through him. He sent his son to pay the debt of death that all man owed. And Jesus was made sin for us. 
He suffered the consequences of sin for us so that you and I could have fellowship with God. So God proved that he really loves us. And get this, God proved that you are his treasure because he gave up the most valuable, most important thing to him in all of life, his one and only son. So number one, what God did. Number two, what God has done. And finally, section three, what God is doing. God abides in us. The fact that God is love is not merely a religious doctrine. You know, it's not just something that you just read. Oh, God is love. You know, God is love. Yeah, I've read that in the Bible. God is good. No, God literally is love. He literally is love. God doesn't love. God is love. That's why he loves, because that's what he is. And that love is holy, and that love, as, uh, as being born-again believers, if you ask Jesus into your heart, that love now dwells in you, and it changes you. So we're not merely people who study the Bible. We're not merely spectators that observe some event in history or go through some religious, you know, ordinances in church. No, we are participants in an unfolding story whereby the author has come to live in us. The author lives in us. He abides with us. We're with him. God doesn't merely want to say he loves us. He wants us to experience the reality of that love. That's the whole reason God created you and I. You know, I hear people say, well, you know, God was lonely. He was bored. He needed some pets, so he made people. No, God wasn't lonely, and God wasn't bored, and God didn't need a pet. God had Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the perfect community. They were completely and totally fulfilled. The reason that God created us is because God said, you know what? Because I'm love and because this this experience is so incredible and so awesome, I got to share it. I can't just be selfish because love isn't selfish. I can't just keep it all to myself. So I'm going to create a people that can experience what I have here in heaven between me, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to share it. How many of y'all ever been in a restaurant and you're like cut into a bite of steak or a bite of chicken or a bite of fish or something? You were, and I mean, it just watered in your mouth like the best thing you ever ate in your whole life. And what is one of the things that you want to do? Share it. You've got to taste this. You've got to try it. It's the best thing I've ever had. It's incredible. You know, you get a frappuccino or a cup of coffee. It's really, really good. And you're like, hey, man, let me buy you a cup, man. This is the best coffee. It's so good. You've got to try it. You want to share it, right? And that's what God did. See, God doesn't merely want to say he loves us. He wants us to experience it. He wants you to try the steak. He wants you to drink the coffee. He wants you to taste of the Lord and see that he is good. And because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, love can now dwell in us. I used to be a selfish, hateful person. But love came into my life, and it changed me. I was lying in my bed one night high on cocaine, as lost as I could possibly be, 23 years of age, love met me in my bed, spoke to me, and changed my life forever. I never looked back. Love did that for me in my life. See, it's a growing relationship with Jesus Christ every day. We abide in Christ. We fellowship in him. We love him. He loves us. And because of this, because of this, we love one another. See, God's love spills over. And so I care about you. And I pray for you. I was walking in the back, pacing up and down that hallway 30 minutes before we start, praying. God, I pray for our families and our church. I pray for our people. 
God, I pray you bless them, you help them, God, you protect them, give them wisdom, meet their needs. God, fill them with your presence. I'm back there praying. Why do I do that? Why do I do that? Because Paul's such an awesome guy? No, because love dwells in me. And see, once again, it's just like that compass. Let's go back to that. It's just a natural pull. It's just a natural pull. You can't help it. See, when Christ comes inside of you, you just simply can't help it because just like that compass points true north from the magnetic pull of the earth, our pull in our life is the love of God. Can I have an amen? As I close tonight, the closer you get to God, the more you look, think, and respond like real love. Angela and I have been married since 1992, I think. Long time. Long time. Almost 27 years. And as a result, she understands me and she knows me better than anybody else in this room tonight. I've affected her. And she's affected me. And this is a result of our love between us. But see, that's exactly what God wants you to have with him. I encourage you tonight, bring God close. Bring God close. Don't keep God at a distance. Don't, don't turn God into a bunch of rules. I hope I'm good enough. I, I got to do everything that I'm supposed to do. I, you know, I hope God doesn't get mad at me or God doesn't like me. No, no, no. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. See, God proved his love. He showed his love. It's not about how good you are or, or how bad you are or how much good you've done or whether you made a mistake today or last week or you messed up again. It isn't about all that. It's about you having Christ dwelling inside of you. You have a relationship with him. You talk with him. And I talk with God all the time. <clears throat> God's my buddy. I'm going up and down the road. He and I are having conversations. I'm praying to him in the spirit all the time. God and I are connecting and talking all day long. Why? Because I have a relationship with God. I'm always talking to Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Holy Spirit, guide my decisions. Holy Spirit, show me what to sell. Show me what to buy. Show me what to invest in. Show me how to live. Show me who I need to call. Lead me in the direction I need to go. Use me today, Holy Spirit. See, it's that relationship of love that we have with God that resonates in our life, it changes us, and it changes the people around us. Amen? Did y'all get something out of this tonight? Praise the Lord. Stand with me. Stand with me. We're going to pray together. Father, we thank you tonight. Go before us this week. Lead God and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.